What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Welcome back to another edition of the Ringers NBA Draft Show. My name is Kevin O'Connor. Joining me, as he does every week, is the Ringers' Jay Kyle, man. Kyle, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty well. Pretty solid. Hanging in there. Sickness hasn't hit me in a little bit. Feeling pretty good. Uh, Kentucky doing, stinks. Oh, they do? Well, you just jump right to the right to the chase. You were kind of grinning. You do this thing sometimes where you're introducing me where you're like grinning and it almost feels like you're <laughs> anticipating something. And I was like, were you just... My little evil I, smile. I, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I mean, do, how much how much pleasure do you get from watching me squirm or none at all? I know some people, <laughs> some people, because whenever Kentucky stinks, you're not one of these people that does this. Sharks used to do this. He got glee out of doing this, but and, and it was fun. But <laughs> among like the NBA crowd, I feel like they're just, they don't know as many Kentucky fans. So I just inevitably get a string. It's just a, a set, an RSS feed of people checking in on me. Um, Kentucky stinks, to answer your question. It's pretty Well, they're miserable. 10 and 6 on the year. So, you know, they don't stink in terms of record, but they got they got. Oh, smashed. I think they stink in terms of record. <laughs> yeah, for Kentucky standards, fair. They got smashed by Alabama and South Carolina, though. I mean, that, like South Carolina, they lost by three, but that's a disappointing loss after getting smacked around by Alabama. Yeah, I mean, they were never in it. And, and that's a misleading score because they were they were behind badly like the whole game i mean they got they got down huge in the beginning they got their asses kicked by ucla that your asses kicked by alabama by gonzaga uh any confident you know kind of power five team they play they stink uh and there are a lot of kind of uh issues i think this this team is just flawed like i i said last week i thought they had an nit stench 
Uh, and that has just kind of increasingly Oof. become more and more real, which is kind of shocking. Yeah. I didn't watch that game. H- how was Gigi Jackson in that game for South Carolina? I saw he had 16 points, just looking at the box score, 16 points on 6 to 10. It's been an up and down year for him. He's a, for people who don't know the name Gigi Jackson, he reclassified um, from, he was the top prospect in the next year's draft class, reclassified to enter college this year. Uh, so he's one of the younger players, still 17 years old. Been an up and down freshman year for him for South Carolina, but how did he perform in that game against Kentucky? Well, we were happy to give him, you know, an opportunity to add to his draft highlight reel. He looked better than he has all year. I mean, he looked amazing uh, because Kentucky can't guard the ball. What a brutal beat for North Carolina because you talked about GG uh, Gregory Jackson, his official name, if you go looking for him. reclassed and, and decided to flip from North Carolina, which is the team that, that was returning everybody. Can you imagine if he had been, of course, North Carolina has been disappointing too, but Gigi looked great. I mean, he, they didn't really have an answer for him. He, our bigs couldn't stay in front of him and the guards couldn't bother him. It was just over and over. I mean, like South Carolina hit a lot of lucky shots. The South Carolina game itself was just sort of another symptom of, of a bigger disease. Um, Kentucky has, I think, systemic issues with the way Cal, I think his roster building is kind of catching up to him. Um, I just think overall this team isn't as talented as people maybe thought that they were. Um, have you ever heard of like an audio? They have this thing called, have you ever heard of this, the flatter effect? Have you ever heard of that, Kev? Don't think so. Sounds way smarter than than, than for me, you know. <laughs> what is flatter effect? What is this? Well, the the flatter effect is in audio production. I had, well, somebody that kind of mentored me taught me this, that like you need to mix your, when you're mixing, you don't want to mix too loud because the sonic intensity can sort of cloud your objectivity in the moment. And like it can distort your sense of whether something's actually good because if you hear it louder, you're like, yeah, this is jamming. Like, so you want to mix quieter. I think that the transfer portal for some teams, Kentucky specifically, has had a flatter effect, whereas it's not an like a, a, a volume thing. It's more of Teams and fans of teams see these players who have played at other schools and they see their production at other schools and they think, shit, yeah, we'll we'll add this guy who averaged 18 points for a mid-major team or something like that. And they think that they're adding that to their team. And I think that it gives it like a misleading thing. And I think it's been true for Kentucky where they added Jacob Toppin, who was a project. They added Antonio Reeves, who is just not performing at this level, CJ Frederick. Sabir Wheeler is another guy that I've what had a lot of Casey issues with. Wallace? I mean, he's yeah. the guy everybody projects as a top 10 pick, and he goes 1 of 13 against Alabama last week. He didn't look good. And it's been, he had back spasms last night. Overall, I've heard from inside the program that Could he that have been had, bothering him versus Alabama? Like he just played through it? Is that a possibility? Because he looks terrible. It's possible. I mean, I don't know. It's all, you'd have to... I could I could ask and try to see if I could find out. I mean, that could be some explanation. He has he's had moments. Where he's been a pretty good dribble pull up shooter on the year. He shot it pretty decently well from three. Uh, but from what I've heard, he hasn't been ready to take over the full time on ball mantle. I don't know. I just I, I think Cal has a lot of philosophy sort of things to address. I think that the staff. I think he maybe needs to address the preparation level on the staff. I don't know, man. It, se- it, it seems a year ago I had heard rumblings that uh, Texas was interested in Calipari, that they were willing to throw the sink at him before they hired Chris Beard. And that got kind of mocked by some people within the Kentucky fan base. Uh, it's true. They want him. And man, if he goes, I'm really torn because I'd like to see Kentucky play better basketball, more fun basketball. 
I want to see the talent come in, but, uh, you know, I'm going to feel nauseated if he goes to a school like Texas and just starts the machine up and gets a bunch of talent. Um, we're in, we're in a bad place right now, Kev. It's, it's dark. These are, these are dark times indeed. On that same day that Alabama beat Kentucky 78 to 52, we saw Villanova have a game against top 25 drank Xavier and they lost, you know, um, against Xavier. Villanova's not that good this year, eight and nine on the season, but Cam Whitmore did have 26 points against Xavier. Last night he played again. He had 16 points against DePaul. Another loss for Nova. They're 6-4 and four with Cam Whitmore, a top 10 projected pick. They've lost 4 out of 5, though. They're not that good compared to the way we think about Nova, just like with Kentucky. Um, but Whitmore this year, you know, he's played 10 games, so we want to have a little check-in here on how he's performing so far after returning uh, midseason. He's averaging 13.2 points per game, 0.7 assists, 5.2 rebounds, shooting 31% from three on 4.2 attempts per game. You know, just to give a real basics with him, you know, he's an explosive athlete, a downhill attacker, versatile, hard-nosed defender. Um, kind of like Taylor made wing for today's NBA. But through 10 games, Kyle, it's been up and down. Uh, what have your impressions early so far this season been of Cam Whitmore? I was texting with somebody that, that covers uh, another just draft person and I was just kind of talking about what a ride it is to watch him like he's really really all over the place like he, he has these moments where um, I always make that comparison that it's like the, it's the sports car thing somebody that's not a great driver behind the wheel of like a, a McLaren or something it's it definitely seems like and I was listening to an interview with him it seems like his feel for the game is still kind of catching up to his body in the way that maybe Anthony Edwards had the same kind of thing going on where, and some of it, I think my question too, to go back at you, I mean, he's, he's thrilling to watch and answer your question. Like he'll do things that are just unreal, like in traffic and open space, uh, going by guys, um, roasting less athletic defenders, finishing at the rim. He's very powerful. I was curious, do you think that his situation, you talked about Villanova maybe not being what they've been in the past. Do you think if they ha if this was a roster that more resembled the traditional Villanova, the Villanova of the past five, six years, do you think that he would look a lot different? Is he suffering from his context a little bit? Perhaps. I think with him, I mean, like, we talked before the season about the benefits of him playing in that Nova system with the ball movement and the motion, NBA-like in some senses. I still think we see that. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that has been a limitation for him at all. Why? I mean, you do you ask that feeling differently. Um, that maybe with him, if he were playing with those teams, we would feel dramatically different with Whitmore's performance. I don't think that like the ball skill talent is quite at the level of some of those teams. I mean, like those are, but that to be fair, some of those teams are like the mo like most offensively balanced, oh, yeah. like had some of the best offensive flow for college teams. I mean, like the 2018 team. I mean, where that that's one of the best offensive college teams I've ever seen, flat out. Um, uh, if if he were playing in a team like that, where he was benefiting from creators constantly like attacking space and bending the defense, and then he's catching with an advantage. It just seems like he leverages his athleticism pretty well in open space, but it seems like he's kind of dealing with crowds of defenders. It doesn't feel like he's reacting to the flow of, of a good college offense. And we're kind of, I mean, we're seeing that. Villanova, obviously, like you said, is not what they've been uh, in the past. Eight and nine is, eight and nine to start the season is not a typical Jay Wright Villanova start to a season. For sure. And uh, you mentioned that 2018 team. They're, they're top six, you know, rotation guys 
in that championship game against Michigan. Mikel Bridges, Jalen Brunson, Dante DiVincenzo, you know, three real NBA players right now. Then Omari Spellman, who, you know, three-point shooter, you know, at Villanova, very good player, hasn't worked out in the NBA. And then I was Eric, wrong about him. I thought he would work. Me too. Oh, yeah. er- Eric Pascal too. Like Eric Pascal's yeah. ha- had some moments, but really good college player. And um, Phil Booth as well and Colin Gillespie got some minutes. Like all of those guys could shoot. Everybody could shoot in space. And all of them could pass and dribble. Like those Nova teams are are no longer. And I think yeah. if you plug Cam Whitmore into the Mikel Bridges role on that team or that type of roster with those player constructs, yeah. I mean, to yeah, to go back to your original question, yes, it would it would be an enhancer for him. Um, but has it necessarily hurt evaluation in terms of like from an NBA perspective? Um, uh, I don't think so. I mean, I feel like we've seen a lot of the same things that we saw from him in high school. Um, what would you like to see from him improve? And is it fair to expect improvement considering the supporting cast around him, like in stuff like on-ball creation, isolations, pick and rolls? I think we're at the point where he's kind of attacked. We're we're at an early stage, I think, with the playmaking. And Ten games. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and overall, I think, and just if you zoom out and look at the big, I'm imagining this big timeline of where he is in terms of his ball skills and things like that. It's going to take a little bit, you know, like I, I think that he's pretty early on in terms of playmaking. Like, I think we're going to have to just wait. We're going to have to start with reasonable expectations. Like I think attacking the basket and getting off the ball, like straight line drives. Uh, I was telling somebody the other day, he took a dribble handoff. I think it might, it was either in the, the DePaul game or maybe the Creighton game. Um, he, or, uh, it, or sorry, uh, Xavier. Yeah, Xavier. Uh, he took a dribble handoff in that game. Uh, and it was one of the fastest, like, drives off of a handoff that I've, like, seen from a college prospect in a while. He took a couple, he, he, sometimes he has a Zion y kind of a thing where he'll, He'll get going so fast with so much power that he I've seen him slip a couple times. Like he's just he's very, very powerful athlete. And when he gets around the rim, he does things like turning the corner. We we've talked a lot about how like Jaden Ivey can get wiggly and get low and long. Um, he does things like that. What do you think about his handle? I kind I kind of feel like the handle, we talked about that in the past. Um, that's a thing that is gonna really unlock how much he's able to to leverage his athleticism, in my opinion. I mean, I think the handle's good, not great. He's definitely got some shiftiness to him over the course of time. You hope that that handle continues improving, and you know, it's it's a tight handle. Uh, he doesn't create a ton of space with it. He creates space more with his burst and his athleticism rather than breaking down defenders with like crossover, hezzy dribbles, and all that. Um, but he has the moves. Clearly, mm-hmm. he's got a bag that he's working on. It's just going to be about improving it all the time and blending together his pure athleticism, that great first step, the the second gear he can hit when he's driving to the basket, all of that in combination with each other. And plus, you mentioned kind of the Zion-esque, you know, quick, decisive drives off of handoffs. Like, you can see teams slingshotting him around towards the basket, like just straight line drives, just go, you know, attack and explode. I think he's got that in him, but I, I maybe with the handle, that's where the improvement comes running pick and roll, slowing down a little bit. If the defense switches, isolating and being able to create efficient shot, because he's not the most, I mean, he takes dribble pull-ups. He's not the most fluid at taking those dribble pull-ups. It's a bit mechanical. Um, so that that's where I want to see that improvement happen over the course of time. But that'll take years. 
going into the NBA. It's not going to happen during the season with Villanova. I, I don't. You can't expect that to happen. Yeah, I think it, it's sort of in the lineage. I was I was sort of trying to contextualize wings that have a lot of physical tools but are erratic. But you're seeing this the flashes, and you're trying to like read the t- the t- the tea leaves and just assume what they're going to do developmentally. Um, I, I was kind of making a list here and I was thinking about guys that fit this bill. Um, two that come to mind that I think are are the same and a little different is uh, Jalen Brown. And then I think Shaden is another guy with like really crazy physical tools that we were trying to guess when they were 18, 19 years old. We were watching them play and you'd see situations where they get ahead of steam and they go to the rim and you're like, that's a, that's a phenomenal. And both of those guys are kind of powerful, explosive. Handle needs to come along. We see some flashes with the jump shooting, with the pull-up shooting, but we didn't see a ton of like the playmaking and things like that. So um, that's kind of what I'm thinking about. He's clearly ambitious to be this way. Like he likes being on the ball. You see him kind of come to life and he wants to, he wants to do that. But I think you're right that I think whoever he plays with early on, it's probably going to start slow with like the DHOs. I love the slingshotting word you used. I think that's really true and really cool. Um, but I feel like, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree with that, with that, like on the, that prototype. I, I feel like that's the developmental track that he's on. Like we, we see flashes with the athleticism. It's just going to take a bit. Jalen Brown was a great name because with Jalen Brown, you go back to his film at Cal or even his rookie year with the Celtics and you see him doing the moves. You know, he's playing with a clogged paint with two bigs on that Cal team. Um, but you see him like trying things and it didn't mm-hmm. work. Like he very sloppy with his handle and he still is today, you know, but he, like he's way better. I mean, like it's not even comparable with what he is today compared to what he was at, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. It's like a totally different stratosphere he's entered into. Still sloppy, but he was really sloppy back then. I think Cam Whitmore's less sloppy than Jalen Brown at the time, but in terms of that that developmental, you know, bucket you're talking about, like they they belong in the same bucket of the explosive players who have the handle and the the willingness and and the ability to create. It's just about honing that over the course of time. And that's that ultimately is going to dictate who Cam Whitmore becomes. Because that and the jump shot, because he's shooting sub 30, you know, he just got over 30% after last night's game from three. He's not a knockdown guy. Um, like, what level does he reach as a shooter? What level does he reach as a handler? Because we know what he can do. That's explode at the rim. We know he can straight line drive. We know that dude is a nuisance on defense, the way he disrupts dribble handoff actions, fights over screens. The dude's a hustler. Like I love his defense. And like with his body and frame and quickness, he could become super versatile in the NBA. We know the things that he can do. But what he does on top of that is really where I have a hard time ranking him. I think right now, you know, the big board is launching, I think, next week, Tuesday on the 17th. I have him currently penciled in at fifth. Mm, five, okay. Part of me feels that's a little too high. Yeah. Like by ha- like ahead of guys like uh, Jarris Walker at Houston, who has shown far more of a handle. Um, ahead of Asar Thompson, who you, you're less high on, but you know he's got to create more creation ability. Ahead of uh, Nick Smith, Keontae George, you know, more creator types. If you're drafting Cam Whitmore, you're drafting him for what you know he can be, and then you're betting and you're really gambling that that other stuff develops. So, like, where do you land with Cam Whitmore um, when it comes to like draft placements um, in terms of your personal rankings, Kyle? 
he's probably seven through ten, I would say, right Very now. Very fair. Think, yeah, I think the points that you made, and I mean that's a little noncommittal, but I think that like the things that we're talking about make me wonder. You know, let's the team that he gets with. Let's say that they don't have a huge priority to to throw him into the fire or to throw. Uh, ideally, it's going to be a team that has like a great G League connection that they can bring him up and down, give him a ton of reps, let him he's, get he's wild. He's not going to be a G League that guy, though. I can't imagine. I don't see why not. I mean, I, I feel like if you're drafting somebody in that range, if you have the luxury of doing it, like OKC Blue, they they bounce guys up and down all the time. Maybe not seven, eight, nine, but sure. I mean, if you think about guys, a, a team that doesn't necessarily need to do that, that doesn't need to put him on ball immediately early, I would love to see him like just get a bunch of empty calorie reps, low stakes reps, and just work, 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 and then you like know, New play Orleans, with, New Orleans, maybe someone like that where they already have so many guys in a rotation. Like, they got you, too you, many. You, you got you get a play on Birmingham. <laughs> like you have no choice. Yeah, they probably they probably too many guys. I mean, uh, OKC makes. Uh, I, I think OKC is interesting. Honestly, uh, I also think Orlando's interesting. We had talked about like yeah. if they're following that model, they definitely could use a big wing. But I just think they need more shooting. Um, I was curious to ask you defensive switchability. I feel like he leans more as like a forward wing. Um, I feel like he could guard pretty high. Like I like he's so strong. He's definitely not like a spinly. He is flexible and bendy, but he strikes me as more of like a guy who could really become like a powerful wing at the next level and like guard totally. fours. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. I mean, he's got more of that like Iguodala frame in terms of the strength and quickness and length where he's that bigger wing type who could defend some larger players if necessary, which, like you said, makes him an interesting fit for an Oklahoma City uh, where like you have Chet Holmgren, you know, maybe you beat play some beef next to him with Cam Whitmore. You plug him in. Hey, he, look, I think Whitmore is the type of guy who could fit anywhere as mm-hmm. long as the shot is there. As long as, as long as the shot is reliable, he can fit on any team. Um, but defensively, yes, I, I'm with you, Kyle. It's more of that that big wing, versatile wing. Um, so we can, we're kind of on the same page. Like I guess I have a pencil in at five. It's really, right now, the five to ten range. Yeah, and That's really like the very vague spot I have for him. I have a hard time placing him um, compared to some of the other guys. Cause I really like Jarris Walker. I love Jarris Walker on Houston, man. Have you spiked back up on Jarris Walker? Is that, yeah. I feel like there was a little, like uh, maybe a little, a little trough and we're, we're back high again on, on uh, Jarris. When's the last time we talked about Jarris? When I was in Houston, I think when they, when they faced Alabama, was that the last game uh, we might've talked about Jarris Walker? We talked about him first episode. Yeah. And then we talked about it after that. But like the last couple of games, granted, it's, you know, he's not facing top five teams, but he had a great game against Virginia a couple of weeks ago. Uh, against SMU, he had 23. Against Cincinnati, he had 21. And in all of these games, he showed off the creation ability that was apparent from him in high school. And when I was in Houston talking to Marcus Sasser, um, their senior point guard, I asked him, like, how would you describe Jarris Walker to somebody who's never watched him play? And he's like, this dude can do everything. He's He can pass the ball. He can handle. He can create. And it's like, well, those weren't the things you could see him doing on the floor. And yes, that, that's the first thing that he spit out of his mouth when we were mm-hmm. talking about Walker was like the things he wasn't showing. And we have seen that in recent games. And that's where like you think about Jarris Walker, 245 pounds, whatever he is, 6'8", with length and intensity and 
versatility on defense. If that dude is creating shots and taking pull-up jumpers and attacking the basket and making smart passes, I mean, you could talk yourself into Jarris Walker being the the Scotty Barnes of this year's draft uh, as a guy who could rise from that mid to late lottery conversation to the top five conversation pretty quickly. Yeah, and, uh, so I, I'm I have him, I believe, right behind Whitmore on my pencil, you know, written in pencil board right now, which will be finalized over the weekend. But I, I'm I'm really high on Jarris Walker. Yeah, he's a, he's a dump truck. I mean, he's got like a Larry Johnson kind of body. Oh, like that's I, a great I comp. Like, I mean, I, well, I'm not going to say one to one players. Yeah, but of I course. Mean, body the wise, body. yes, the body. Yeah, yeah. You, you look at this. Yeah, you look at this huge, this huge, powerful athlete, and you watch him get like the speed that he gets off the floor. Um, <sighs> kind of his hip mobility, kind of similar too. Um, but just big, broad shoulders. Um, anyway, um, Whitmore though, I was going to say Whitmore. I, I would, I would honestly say. He feels Mark of Charks to me. Like, I, I feel like that's the kind of guy we always joke about, like how Charks said OG was going to be the next center. Yeah. Like, he always <laughs> loved guys that played up like that. You know, yeah, he loved yeah. bigs that played out and he loved wings that could play powerful. Um, Whitmore is that kind of guy. I hope he gets in a situation where he's allowed to take his time. Um, I feel like teams are smarter these days. Like, I, unless you want to be terrible. You don't see a ton of teams just rolling it out there with like an awful, like like a guy, not awful, a guy who's just not ready for for those types of reps. Um, but I hope that's the type of team that he ends up with, a team that'll give him the time he needs. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.
All right, Kyle, last week we said we're going to be talking about the UConn kids. We haven't talked about them all season long. They are 15-2 and on the season now. They had a two-game losing streak after starting the season undefeated, but they broke that streak on Saturday against Creighton with a 69-60 win. Creighton's got a couple of you know potential second-round draft picks on that their team. UConn, they're the team that's loaded with potential. Early seconds, late firsts. On their roster, Kyle, who would you like to start with on the UConn side of things as we introduce some of their prospects this year? When you said UConn kids, it kind of reminded me of that Spoon. You ever listen to Spoon? You like Spoon? I, I know Spoon. I don't know. Like, the, like you, you can name a song and I can't like hear it in my head. I don't I don't know their songs off the top of my head, but I know Spoon. Not a big song title guy, Kev? Like, you don't, no, you don't oh, really... no, I am. I am, but I, like, I don't know Spoon like that. You know right. what I'm saying? I, like, I can't. You know, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't love them, but I know of them. I don't know Spoon like that, Kevin O'Connor. Yeah. No, my, like, my favorite uh, Spoon is Spoon by H. Oh, okay. <laughs> the restaurant okay. in LA. I'll take you spoon. there sometime. Oh, we'll, yeah. We'll, it took we'll, me a second to remember which. Yeah, we should go. We should go. Yeah. I was just thinking, I was like, when you said that, I was like, the Yukon kids. Uh, it's a Spoon song. <laughs> um, no, I, I think Yukon has like a, a trio of guys that are interesting. Um, I would say the foremost is uh, Jordan Hawkins, who is a, a 6'5 kid who played at DeMatha Catholic. DeMatha, legendary school. Uh, the guy that 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 was their their longtime coach, Morgan Wooten, was this guy that coached there for years. Kev, you may be interested. Maybe not. Adrian Dantley played there. Keith Bogans played there. Long lineage of good players at uh, at Dematha High. Anyway, and he played on a good high school team. He played with uh, Hunter Dickinson, and he also played uh, with uh, with what's his name, uh, Earl Timberlake, another good college player, brother of Justin. I wish, I wish that were true. Uh, no, uh, but he's he's a six five wing. Sort of a, I, I would say right now, the best way to describe him would be movement shooter. Um, he's he's pure, man. There were a couple times that I've been, I was been talking with our guy. You know, I have a complicated history with UConn. Uh, they've, they've, te- they've stolen some joy from us here in the bluegrass. And we've, we've had a lot of heartache at the, at the hands of the UConn people. And Justin Barrier, my mortal enemy, because he's a UConn Husky. We were talking about this. And uh, he, he was kind of just describing his game to me. And, and the first few like jumpers that Jordan Hawkins put up were so nice that, um, I don't know, I felt like I had taken a bite of a nice dish. I was just like, oh, man, like he's got a pure, soft, quick jumper. Um, have you, uh, what's been your, what do you feel about the Jordan Hawkins jumper? Are you a big believer? Are you skeptical? I wouldn't say I'm skeptical. Uh, I mean, he's shooting far better this season than, than he did last season as a freshman. Um, but like the shot looks pure to me. He's always shot it well going back to high school. And like he, he's not just shooting standstill threes either. Like he's the type of shooter who in transition, he will just like sprint to a spot in the corner and off the catch, just immediately be able to stop on the dime and rise and fire. He's that type of guy. And I, I think the movement ability, like you mentioned, Hunter Dickinson, who from Michigan is a, you know, kind of a perimeter DHO type of big. Like, can you imagine, you know, those guys, the, the handoffs they could have run in high school together? You know, the action between those two with Hawkins' ability to move off ball and relocate. He's just a s- real smart, cerebral player. The ball never, like, you know, sticks in his hands. He just makes the extra pass when necessary. I, I, he just feels like the type of guy who is, perfect for what an NBA team needs nowadays. The issue is he's only six foot five. He's not big. He's not a stopper on defense. He's a good defender, but not a great defender. So he's more of a projected role player type. He's not going to run the show for your team or 
break down defenders off the dribble, but for like a team that says, hey, we need shooting. We need to add a shooter to our rotation who can help, you know, as a rookie, then like Jordan Hawkins is a perfect late first round draft pick. Yeah, I think that he projects as somebody that you could immediately plug and play as like a movement shooter that you could use as gravity. Like he shoots really oh, well. Totally. At first, I was I saw the sample I'd seen of him. I was like, okay, he kind of prefers left. And then he shot a few like moving right at full speed threes in a row. Um, this season, you know, 39.3% from three on seven and a half attempts a game, which is a pretty convincing sample uh, in 27.1 minutes. Uh, but another thing, too, is that he's shooting 38.6% on guarded three-pointers. Um, I had a kind of a thought. The only thing that I'm kind of wondering about with him is he is a little bit of a, a slight build. Like he's not at the, like if you compare, he was guarding Cam Whitmore. They were guarding each other the other night when Villanova uh, played UConn and they physically are pretty different, even though like Hawkins, he'll surprise you with the way he can get up. Like if he has a couple steps to get up in the air, he, he can he can jump. I did notice, I do think he's going to have to get a little stronger. I feel like he's going to measure a little below 6'5". I'll be curious to see what he does at the combine. Like, I don't I don't think that guys don't usually go up at the combine. They typically go down. Uh, I brought up, like, Bryn Forbes to you. That's kind of the, like a guy who's not a super physical driver, um, but is a really lethal movement shooter. I'm like a Max Struess type, somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Struess, Struess has filled out pretty well, too. Yeah. I, he he definitely seemed to be bothered though. Whenever like in today's NBA, if you're going to be like a volume movement shooter, you've got to get comfortable shooting in a phone booth. Basically, like you have to be able to not get bothered by somebody being right on your tail. He had a few different times where defenses were staying attached. Well, where I wondered where I wondered if it was affecting his efficiency. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So you have concerns there about his upside as a shooter then. I don't think that it's uh, like an upside concern. I, I, I definitely think he's going to come into the league ready to do that role. Um, well, I don't know that he'll be like a, a day one starter type player, but um, in terms of the guys that are like in consideration for first round, where do you like off the top of your head? How do you feel about his like shot mechanics? Like his his sort of I think he's pretty high on the list. I mean, is he the best movement shooter that's being considered in the first round? Yeah, I'd say so without question as a potential first round draft pick like who else would be in that as a as a solid first rounder max lewis yeah out of pepperdine you know i mean it's not, I, I grady dick uh, as well would be another one um grady dick is a different type of player a bit bigger taller more yeah. athletic and above the rim guy but like I, like who else is even in that conversation like now that you mentioned that brandon miller uh, is does he count yeah. he's you know brandon miller perhaps Again, another di- different type of player. Dick and Miller both big, sort of big three fours, moving the ball, shooting. Yeah. You know, like I don't know, I don't know if they'll be as, I don't know if either one of those guys will be as fast off the ball. Like I yeah. feel like he he'll be faster. Uh, Lewis, I think, is a better like sort of direct comparison. I think he shoots it quicker than Lewis, though. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Hawkins is is definitely the guy in terms of mechanics, and you know, it's it's interesting with that with that UConn team because. And you have Jordan Hawkins developing into a as a sophomore into an NBA potential first round draft pick, definitely a second round draft pick. And then like there's his teammate Andre Jackson, who's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum as Jordan Hawkins. Jackson is a complete non shooter. You know, teams sag off of him in the half court. They they give him the Andre Robertson treat, treatment, but it's six six, two hundred ten pounds. You look at his numbers, right? Six point four points per game, six point three rebounds. 
4.8 assists per game, shooting 29% from three, 36% from the field. On the surface, if you're just glancing at the stats, you're like, this guy, yeah, six, six, and five? Not an <laughs> NBA prospect. But you watch the games, and then you see, oh, they're sagging off of him on, on offense. You think, not an NBA prospect. And yet, I, I always watch Andre Jackson, and I'm like, this dude is an NBA prospect. <laughs> I just gave and, you a high five over the Zoom. Yeah, like maybe, <laughs> maybe even like a, a, a late first to a team that like can be needs to draft a role player because of it. so everything else that he does, Kyle. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be a first, but I definitely Second, think it like more likely. He's like a super connector at the college level. Like he, he is like I just I love watching him play. It was it was pain it was painful to watch like Baylor Shireman like back twenty feet off of him when he caught the ball at the top of the key. That battle between those two guys was funny to watch because Shireman, great shooter, yeah. pulls you out beyond the arc, <laughs> Stay great passer, can't but can't get to the rim. Yeah. Not going to be disruptive. And th- but what they have in common is that the ball moves through them really well. I thought you mentioned something. It, th- this is just an unusual thing to see. I mean, his usage is 14.5% for UConn, but his assist percentage is 27.7. Um, that is a very productive decision maker for a college player. Um, I have droned on and on about how much I love the, the, the stat. Um, his assist to, that puts his assist to usage at 1.91, which is freaking bonkers. Um, but yeah, he shoots the ball from his waist. Um, he's not. He doesn't even look like he's looking to take them. Um, I, I really love how defensively, though. On the other end, he throws his weight around. Man, he like flies into like the, to bother entry passes. He's his eye, his head is on a swivel as a defender. Do you think there's a team with like a shooting program that could just snatch him and just slowly kind of just be like, we're gonna? Is it sort of a Herb Jones situation where? he could maybe rebuild his jump shot and add the things that he's good at? I mean, the the weird thing is with his shot is like he stinks off the catch, but he's 70 plus percent from the free throw line. He's over 40% on dribble jumper three-pointers going back to last season. So it's not like he doesn't necessarily have touch. It's not like he hasn't shown the ability to hit shots. It's just he doesn't shoot often and he Mm. doesn't shoot off the catch like you'll see him sometimes he'll catch the ball you know he'll be spotting out from the corner or from the wing and with the defender like 10 feet away from him he'll receive the ball and like pause and take a jab step and then miss you know or he'll pause you know they'll record scratch the offense take a side dribble three and and usually miss yeah but like he you know the like 30 i believe it's 35 dribble jumper threes overall um it's intriguing at the least. It is. It's a small, very tiny little baby sample there, but it's not like he doesn't have touch. Like, do you, do you have a level of belief that like a, a Fred Vincent from New Orleans or a Chip England with OKC, like one of the great shooting coaches, could improve him? Is there enough to work with there? I think so. I mean, we saw Herb. He's younger too. We saw Herb Jones rebuild his shot and work. Herb's on his. not shooting the ball as well this year, though. To be you know, twenty nine point six percent from three. It's a long game. He's had stretches. I mean, and, we've and seen... The, and the free throw percentage has improved a lot for her. Yeah. He's that type of intangible player that like... And it may never... It might not work out. I mean, it's it's possible. I mean, but he does things like in a playmaking sense. I mean, he had a couple like um, where he was prying open passing windows in transition. He caught one and he like jumped and like drew the defense up and he like whipped it underhanded to a shooter. The guy didn't hit the shot, I don't think. But... um. 
and he should be fined for that. But like, uh, <laughs> he he does things that he adds a lot in different areas. Like, I really like him defensively. It's it's sort of a it's a gamble. I think you'll take a flyer on him. I I don't think I'd be comfortable taking him in the first round for that yeah. reason. But um, somebody somebody with the time and the patience to take him, I I, I absolutely would. I agree completely. It's kind of the the Marcus Smart of college basketball right now. Uh, the, the big man behind him, Adama Sonogo. What do you think about him, Kyle? I mean, he gives you big kind of Kofi Coburn vibes. He was definitely abusing Ryan Kalkbrenner for, for he was like he was doing the origami fold up of Kalkbrenner. <laughs> like he Kalkbrenner just looked completely lost on what to do with him because he was trying to absorb the contact. I mean, this guy's a load. Um, really, really big, really strong, not super agile and laterally fast or anything like that. He doesn't get off the ground super fast, but he has good footwork. Um, he, and he actually, every once in a while, surprise you. He has this little push shot three pointer that he'll make every once in a while. Um, I don't necessarily think he's an NBA player because I just, I worry about his, his ability to cover ground and cover space. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think with him, he's a solid prospect, second-round type of guy. I, I don't see him covering space as much as a lot of the other bigs in this year's draft. Like, you know, Najee, you know, playing for Barcelona and very intriguing prospect, potential late first-round draft pick. You know, Deron Holmes out of Dayton, really like him as well. I just don't think he's anywhere near the same level of those guys. Never mind, like, I know what Clowney, you know, with Alabama, the versatility he has. I, I'm honestly more intrigued by his backup the the freshman Donovan Klingon, you know, big time shop locker, huge guy coming off their bench, you know, over seven feet tall, big bulky frame. I mean, he's kind of got got like a, I, I view him as like Zubats type, but just oh. bigger. Like maybe long term, that's what he could become. Klingon's interesting to me. I don't, I doubt he'll declare. He feels more like the Walker Kessler type, where he comes back. You know, granted Kessler transferred, but goes back to college for one more year, and then next year becomes a potential first-round draft pick. But if Klingon were to declare, I'm I'm more intrigued about his NBA potential uh, than I am with Sonogo. I'd like to see Klingon stay in school um, and take his time because we've seen like guys can take a minute to bake, and the NBA is going to be, they're going to keep an eye on him. Uh, granted, granted, his situation allows him to stay in school, but the size there is really, you're right, he's a little heavier than, than Kessler. I mean, it's 7'2", oh, yeah. 265. Um, but physically he, he seems comfortable. Like he didn't seem as like hurried. He, he, he did a pretty good job catching the ball, particularly in that great game, uh, and finishing dude catches everything, everything yeah. around the basket. I love his hands. Yeah. I, I, I hope, uh, I hope he takes his time because he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. I hope he comes out. Just get out of there. Come to the oh, NBA and develop. Yeah. Just, just go to the NBA. Well, was there, <laughs> was there anybody on the, uh, I know you love Shireman. Uh, on, yeah, on Creighton. Really, yeah. Is there anybody like Kaluma is the other person that people have projected as a potential first round draft pick? It has not been, you know, a great year for him. Uh, who stood out on the Creighton side? Every time you say Kaluma, there was like this Xbox game called Zuma. Did you ever play that? Were you an Xbox mm, or PS4 guy? I was, I was either or. I, I, I went from, I think, GameCube to PS2 to, to Xbox 360. Okay. To then PS4 or whatever, and now I'm on Xbox One or whatever the current Xbox is called. Well, I was 360, and I had yeah. an Xbox. I love 360. This, yeah. They had this really addictive game called Zuma, and there was all these. There was this like crowd of like tribal people that would go Zuma, and whenever I hear Kaluma, I think Kaluma. That was a great <laughs> anecdote. I really am glad I got that in. And I'm glad I said it. I'm not Zuma. embarrassed, and I'm not uh, a virgin. I, uh, I was going to say. I just looked up. <laughs> 
<laughs> Zoom, Zoom was revenge. I actually now that I rules. See, now that I see like pictures of it, I, I don't remember. I I didn't play it, but this was also like a online game, if I remember correctly. Like you know those very ad you know heavy games. My mom used to play this game. Oh, she did. Your, yeah, your mom did. did. Yeah. Zuma, yeah. yeah. I don't. I played it offline. I feel like it came free with the Xbox, but I just remember you like fire these wooden like balls and these things. You have to make like patterns and like sequences. It was a fun game. I'm sure it's online somewhere. But this is these are the things that go on inside my brain. Creighton. I mean, Creighton hasn't had the year I think that they thought. I think they're trying to kind of punch above their weight class with this group with the talent they got. I think they have some talent on the team. I just think physically, I thought it was pretty obvious that like UConn. They're lacking the type of athleticism I think they need to do that. You know, like I, I thought at the five spot, they looked a little slow and a little unplotting. Kaluma is an athlete. If you want to talk about like, um, I don't know. I don't I don't necessarily see Kaluma as a first round pick at this point. Um, the shooting, I don't trust. Um, he around the basket, he had some pretty impressive plays. He had one play where he got trapped on the baseline and sort of rebalanced himself and pivoted and shot like a pretty nifty righty layup. Uh, he's a little erratic. The handle, like we were saying, we don't necessarily. We were talking about that a, a few shows ago. Um, I'm I've grown increasingly dubious of Arthur Kaluma. Uh, I'm not saying like out, but I'm a little more skeptical than I was in the past. How about you? He's all right. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing special for like right now at this current stage. Part of it's his role. You know, he does more on ball, you know, with, with Creighton. And maybe in an NBA role, catch and shoot threes, you know, playing hard on defense in that role. If you can plug him into that, uh, he would be better looking as an NBA prospect. But um, I'm not super high on him either. I'm, I'm a little, little bit disappointed in that sense. I thought he might be the guy who jumps into the first round. He hasn't. Let's move on to our weekly Wemby. Kyle, what's the latest on Victor Wembanyama? Well, the weekly Wimby this week, Mets 92 had a pretty tough game against uh, Osvel Villurban. And Wimby had 15 points. He was 4 for 12 from the field, 9 rebounds, 5 blocks, and 1 assist. Uh, He had Eve Pons guarding him a lot during that game. Um, Eve Pons, who I I feel like could have been like a professional volleyball player. I feel like he's like (laughs) playing the wrong sport. Like he... He's like one of the most explosive, like one, two step jumpers. I, I kind of came away from this game kind of wondering about, you know, over and over again in these games, we're seeing, I'm kind of wondering about like what we expect Wimby to do in his offensive role in the NBA. Do you think that it's unrealistic to, where where's this easy offense going to come from in the NBA? Do you think that he's going to be primarily like a cleaning the glass type of guy? And I don't mean like getting on the site and checking stats, which, you know, he should. Ben Falk runs a great site. But I mean, literally offensive rebounding. Do we think he's going to be doing that and just shooting face-ups? Or will he ever evolve into a guy that can like claim space and get close to the rim and produce easy ones? What do you think? Is he strictly a jump shooter? When you say claiming space, you're talking about like sealing off a defender underneath the basket. Like, what do you mean by claiming space? In the vicinity of the of the basket or attacking the basket? Because I mean, he I mean, he's like twice the size of Eve Bonds, and he was still, you know, it seemed like all his energy was ending up with him. Lean, and some of this is me playing devil's advocate because I do believe in him, but I'm just kind of thinking out loud here about he works really hard to end up falling away from the basket 18, 19, 20, 22 feet away from the basket. You know, it seems like he's he's always kind of physically compromised. And is that ever going to be 
efficient enough to kind of be the focal point of an NBA offense. Are you questioning him as the number one pick? No, I'm not. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I think the, the two-way impact is so overwhelming, and I still believe in that. I'm just kind of more curious. I'm trying to... I'm trying to, with you, sort of like carve the offensive expectations for Wimby. Like, what do we, what do we think? Is he going to be a Porzingis his whole career? Or do you think he'll ever be able to like really physically impose uh, with his size? I think it's going to be important to pair him at a minimum with a, a great pick and roll creator, a guy that defenses are going to be reluctant to switch against. Um, that's going to be critically important because if that's, if that's the case, That'll create easy lob opportunities out of a pick and roll, short roll opportunities where, you know, he can attack against an unbalanced defense and get to the basket that way. Um, And if teams are switching, that's going to create a mismatch either for that for that guard, you know, a six foot three, six foot five guard who can shoot off the dribble or it's going to create it for Wemby who can create shots in his own right. But in terms of him being a focal point in the way that you're talking about where you can throw him the ball on the low post. He still needs to develop those more power moves instead of just going with fadeaways or face-ups and turnarounds. He needs to develop those moves. That's a priority. And as a shooter, though, like off the dribble, if he's initiating from the wing or the top of the key area, and we've talked about this in recent weeks, he's still not a knockdown shooter. He's, He's not a guy who's an elite shooter. He takes a lot of shots. He's statistically shooting well for mid-range, which is at least encouraging for projecting him forward from going from like to that 10 to 14 foot range to 15 to the three-point line range and then hopefully behind the arc as his shot continues improving over the course of time. But unless he becomes a more efficient shooter, that's not going to be a a good option for the offense compared to him being in DHOs and tapping into his inner DeMontis Sabonis and, and being more of a creator for others. Maybe that's you know, how things develop for him. To me, it really becomes like, what level does he reach as a shooter? Right now, he's empowered to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, off the dribble. And that leads to taking a lot of those tough, contested shots that you're talking about. But I do think there's enough tools for him to still be a high-level, you know, option in the half court. But as a creator, he definitely has work to do. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I've just trying. I've been trying to imagine... He's talked about how he wants to emulate Giannis's like physical, you know, traits. I'm just wondering, like him heading to the basket. It's like when when the defense is loaded up and they see him coming. We've seen him attack closeouts, and he's really big. I just wonder about him like striding towards, like taking a bump, you know, maybe changing direction, euroing, whatever it is. Like I, I just I'm curious to see. You talked about like we're talking about claiming space. We're talking about using his physicality, using his strength, just burrowing his way towards the rim. What, what is that going to look like? And is it enough, you know, it, does it deflate our kind of idea of who he is? If he is just a catch-and-shoot guy, if he is just a pick-and-pop guy or a high-post guy, does he need to do that to be a dramatically high-impact NBA player? I don't know. I think we'll have to dial that in some, like, because it's a little different. Because that, it, he's also hard because we've never seen somebody that projects to impact the game on the other end the way that he does. Like, if he's going to be, like, a high-level, like, roam all levels of the floor and disrupt and block shots and just be that on the offensive end. Is that still a generational player? I'd say, yeah, it is. But is I don't know. It's kind of an interesting thing to dial in and to figure out like what kind of offensive guy is he going to be at the next level? And I think you're right. Like the shooting efficiency really is the thing that it's going to hinge on. Let's move on to our TV guide. We got a player returning, Kyle. Bubba Miller. Uh, went to Florida State, got some crap extension. I uh, thought crap suspended. I'll restate that. 
Is it Bubba or yeah, Baba? Yeah. <laughs> Bubba sounds a little different. Like, what did you say? Is it Bubba or Baba? Baba, I don't know. What did I say? You made I it thought, sound like he's from Kentucky. I thought, I thought Bubba I Miller's said, coming I thought, back. <laughs> I, I, thought I, said, I thought I said Baba. Did I say, did I say Bubba? No, you Baba. said Bubba. I just said Bubba. I thought I, I said, I said well, Baba. Keep this in. I said Baba. <laughs> I said Baba in my head. It came out. It came out as Bubba Miller. Yeah, them hogs. <laughs> Yeah, somebody's selling hogs down the highway. Those are Bubba Millers. Give them a call. That's really, like, I don't know, Bubba Miller. I just thought Forrest Gump could make all yeah. kinds of things of shrimp, shrimp stew, uh, shrimp uh, salad. Shrimp yeah, cocktail. In, in, in my head, I said Baba, but anyway, Bubba, Baba, Baba. 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 This is the New England thing. Is this like mum? Yes. Mom? Is, is, that, is that what's going on here? Anyway, Maybe. I don't know. That Maybe might you be don't... it. Yeah. It might. <laughs> I love anyway, your, I love your accent, Kevin. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I tease yeah. you. I, lo- I love your accent too, Kyle. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't hear any hints of your accent right there. I turned it on and off, as yeah, we okay. said, but no, but but Baba. I assume it's ba- Baba. Ba- I don't ba- know. Baba Miller. Yes, he's yeah. a <laughs> nearly 19 year old freshman at Florida State who got a, a bullshit suspension. Uh, six foot eleven. Florida worth because he accepted what three thousand dollars to travel to the U.S. and the Who family. Gives a shit. And the family. Seriously. And the family paid it back immediately upon finding out that it wasn't allowed. And he was originally suspended for the whole season, and they eventually changed that. Anyway, he's back. This bull. The suspension yeah. is over. He's six foot eleven, seven foot two, and he's more of like a late bloomer type who just came on in recent years as a top prospect. Um, we're going to talk about him a lot more next week, but just like real quick hit notes here for you. As you watch Saturday's game, Florida State against Virginia, top ranked team. It's a really good test for him. Baba Miller. (laughs) 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 Your eyes got so huge. And my my NBA draft guide coming out next week, I, I have shades of Lamar Odom, Kyle no. Kuzma, which is, you know, maybe lofty praise, but he's got that big ball handling, skinny wing type. Uh, you know, he can score in isolation. He's got skill. I really like Miller. A very intriguing prospect, and I look forward to seeing. He's got three games before next week's show. So mm-hmm. we're going to have a lot to chew on when we talk about him more in depth next Wednesday. Oh, yeah, he's fascinating. And I expect Leonard Hamilton to sort of like bring him along gingerly. Um, Virginia, you know, that's a team year in and year out that like scheme wise is like airtight, sophisticated, smart. They always recruit the same types of players, play the same type of way. I think for him, it'll be interesting. But you're you're right. Like he he he's one of those players. And I, I like players like this, that like when you're looking at them on the court, you can't totally tell how tall they are just based on the way that they move. And then I, I feel like Paolo has like gotten a lot of this phenomenon where when people see Paolo, the closer they get to him, the more shocked they are at how huge he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I, I feel like Baba has some, you, you're in my head now, Bubba, Bubba Miller. <laughs> uh, whenever, whenever people are, whenever people get, it's hard to gauge how big he is. Yeah, uh, I think he's sure. really intriguing. Yeah. yeah, so he's got three games starting tonight against Wake Forest. And then we mentioned the Saturday game against Virginia. That's a, a really good performance to gauge him against. And then next Tuesday against Notre Dame. we got another prospect we haven't talked about either. Maybe we'll talk about Starling uh, st- next, uh, next Wednesday. We'll talk about J.J. Starling, a freshman guard prospect on their team. So, Kyle, talked about a lot today. Got a lot more to talk about this next week with... Bubba Miller.
Yes. Bubba, Bob, come on Bubba, down. Bubba Miller. Them Bubba. hogs belong to Bubba Miller. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. I could hear that conversation taking place. <laughs> Bubba Miller. <laughs> Next Wednesday, we'll be talking about him on the Ringers NBA Draft Show. Kyle, this is fun. Thank you, man. Yeah, good to see you, Kev. Uh, have a good one. Thank you so much for everybody listening. Thank you to Jesse Lopez for producing. Like, there's a history day. Thank you.